Hey there! Today we're going to be talking about how to plan and prioritize that wish list of plants you have in your head. If you're into all this gardening stuff, you're wondering, can I grow this or that here in my yard? Or if you're really into it, you're wondering, when's the right time to plant this or that plant? Summer? Spring? Fall? Winter? Or maybe it's just not the right time for whatever reason. And listen, if you're in an apartment or in a small yard or no yard and you think, I'll figure that out when we make the move because you're shopping for real estate right now. Or if, you know, if it's in the next few months or the next few years, don't go anywhere because this show is for you as well. And if you're new here, Welcome to the Edible Gardens podcast, where we talk about how your edible garden can also be your beautiful landscape. I'm your host, Nanette Blair. Thanks for joining me. My dream is to make good food accessible to everyone. And in my opinion, the best definition of good food is nutritious, delicious, and safe. And it doesn't get any better than picking fresh fruit, herbs, veggies straight off the plant where you know what went into it from start to finish. Also, you won't find any tomato cages here. As a matter of fact, there's a lot you won't find here, including pesticides, herbicides, fungicides, or any of the other sides. But what you will find here are landscapes that are designed for beauty, reflection, fun, entertaining, and the list goes on to whatever you want because it's your home, your yard, and your taste. Okay, you know that garden you've been thinking about? I know you're ready. I know I'm ready. So let's dig in. This week, we're only going to do one episode because I'm going to give you some homework. But don't go anywhere. Don't tune me out just yet. It's the fun kind of homework. We're going to dream. We're going to dream about all those plants that you want. We're going to make a wish list. Trust me, this is the fun part. You get to go shopping in the universe. You're going to put it all down on paper, though. I mean everything. Don't worry about whether or not you believe it will grow where you live or that you don't have the budget for all of those seeds right now or all of those plants right now. Because if someone showed up on your doorstep with everything you wanted, you would still have to prioritize when and where it will all go in your garden. And if you're in the car or in the gym or in the garden listening to this podcast, don't worry about writing down all these details. This can be done at any time. As a matter of fact, this will be a living list. And what I mean by this is you will keep adding to this list for as long as you garden. If I know gardeners, and I think I do, we're always intrigued with new plants. You hear about something, you see something, and you wonder, ooh, I would love to grow that. I had to do this list out of necessity. I had to do this list for my sanity. I kept all this information in my head and it was driving me crazy. I felt overwhelmed. And I don't know if you're like me, but sometimes I'll go to the grocery store and just wing it. I don't have a list, I don't have a plan. When I do this, it usually doesn't work out very well. I can't speak for you, but when I do this, and I do sometimes, I'll forget something that I really needed or that I really wanted or I'll buy something I really didn't need either because I already had it in my pantry or in my fridge and I just didn't remember that I already had it or it was an impulse buy. And when I do this, I always spend more money and then I don't have room to put whatever it was that I bought 
because I already had it or it was an impulse buy. So anyway, it usually just doesn't work out very well. I don't know about you, but that's the way it is for me. But it really is like keeping a grocery list. When you realize you need something, it's better to write it down right then, right? If I don't do this, I forget. I started keeping a pad by the refrigerator, you know, you, the magnetic kind that you can just write something down or I put it on top of the refrigerator and I'd write it down just as soon as I realized, hey, I need flour or I need milk or next time I go to the store, I'm going to buy some more scrubby sponges or whatever it is. But now I keep a lot of that stuff on my phone, on an app, you know, they have these list making apps that you have on your smartphone. But getting back to the gardening, the more I added to this mental wish list in my head, the more my thoughts went something like this. What was that plant that I heard about at Susie's birthday party? I don't know, you fill in the blank. <laughs> but what was that plant that I heard them talking about? Ooh, I wonder if I can grow that here. Or what was that fruit that we had at that restaurant that time? I really wanted to see if I could grow that. <sighs> What was that? This is the thoughts in my head whenever I think about these plants. Or maybe it was my cousin Brian, you know, I asked him what he put in the, the compound butter when we went to their house to eat dinner and it was so good. And I thought, I wonder if I could grow that. And I'm trying to remember what it was from several months ago. And I, you know, that was like, I don't know, around Christmas time and now it's spring. and. Now I'm thinking, what was that? It's time to plant. I need to get those seeds and I don't remember what it is. So you get the point, right? But I did this for years until I started writing it down. And I do backslide from time to time. I'll forget to write something down, but I really try to remember to write it down right then and there, just like I would do with a grocery list. When I start to feel a little crazy and overwhelmed by all of the things that I want to have in the garden because I'm a little obsessive. <laughs> I can always fix my craziness with just a, doing a simple brain dump. That's what my daughter calls it, a brain dump. You know, I'll just write everything down. But I'm going to tell you a, a little story. In my corporate life, in my corporate career, I was number one. I worked harder than anyone else even when, when everyone else was trying to get to 100% of their objectives or their quotas, I was trying to get to 200%. Yep, <laughs> I was pretty much a badass, and I'm not trying to brag about that. Actually, this is kind of a painful story for me to admit, but I was, uh, I was extremely unorganized. And I'll never forget this, but my boss said to me, you know, Nanette, if you were organized, you'd be dangerous. And I thought, ooh huh, that sounds interesting. I'm already a badass. I would love to be dangerous as well. <laughs> what he meant by that is you would really be a lot better if you were organized, which I knew what he meant. I was really intrigued by the idea of being even better, but he sent me to a Franklin Covey class, and I don't know if you've ever heard of this, but this is um, it was a time management system that was really big back in the 90s. Stephen Covey was the one who wrote uh, Seven Habits for Highly Effective People. Again, it was Franklin Covey. So I think they teamed up with um, they teamed up with the Franklin Company, and I don't know who bought who or whatever, but they put it into a system 
where you can just organize your time. And when I think back on it now, it really was more of an information management system. You know, I learned so much in this class that later when I moved to another company, I took, and I was in a management role, I took my team with me to a Franklin Covey class because I wanted them to have all of the tools and the skills that they could possibly have that would make them number one, you know, that could make them be dangerous. <laughs> and so, but it was such a revelation to me that I think I actually even cried. I later listened to a book on tape, and yes, this was on cassette tape. And I remember driving to wherever I was going, and I actually cried. It felt like, kind of like when I was saved, you know, it felt like it was, it was just such a relief to me. I felt like all this burden that I was carrying, all this information, I was able to just get it out of my head and off my heart too, because it was a very emotional roller coaster. There were so many things I wanted to accomplish, new accounts I wanted to get, commitments that I had made to people. And I thought, I wonder if I'm really going to be able to do all this. Is there enough time in the day? Are there enough hours in the day? Am I going to wear myself out? Am I also going to be able to um, give what I need to give to my family as far as my, my time and my focus? And so I felt really out of balance. They told us all these stories of top performers. And I remember the one that stands out in my mind the most was a story of this man or woman at Merrill Lynch, who was the top performer in the company. Now, this is a big company, right? And they were the number one in their field. And I don't remember if they were a salesperson or what they did, but this person hired Franklin Covey to come in and say, okay, how can you make me better? And the one thing that they did that made all the difference in the world was they took all of the post-it notes that he or she had, you know, all over their office, random slips of paper, from their car or purse or wallet or wherever they were, but they took all these little post-it notes and pieces of paper with really valuable information on it and put it into a format that was searchable. This Franklin Covey binder was like, uh, you know, had a place for your calendar. It had a place to put appointments and schedules and, you know, to-do lists. It had a place where you could make notes you know, write down ideas. Oh, what if I tried this? Or someone tells you about someone else, gives you a lead and then, and says, oh, did you know you could grow, in the case of gardening, did you know you can grow rice in your yard? You don't have to grow it in a patty with full of water. You don't have to do that. They just do that because natural form of pest control. Well, you know, write it down. Or if you find out that you can grow cumin, I just found out I can grow cumin where I live. To me, that's just intriguing. <laughs> I don't know how hard it is to release those little seeds and grind those up, but I'm going to find out. I'm going to try it. And so I am growing, my plan is to grow cumin this year, so I've got to go find out where I can get the seed. But anyway, you get the idea, right? And I did say this was back in the 90s. This is before smartphones, and y'all, <laughs> back then, we used to have to remember, we didn't have to, but we did. 
we remembered our mother's phone number, our father's phone number, our kids' phone numbers, our friends' phone numbers, numbers that you had to dial to get your voicemail. We had all this stuff in our head and nobody has to remember that anymore. We keep it all on our smartphones, but I don't know of a really good app that will do this because I want you to make columns. So first of all, you're going to write everything down. Don't worry about whether or not you can grow it in your yard. If it's something you think, wow, that would be so cool to be able to grow, go ahead and write it down. Don't worry about doing research on it. Don't worry about looking up the USDA zones or anything like that. The point is just write it down somewhere because if you're like me, maybe you have a mind like a steel trap. I've heard people say that, and I've always been jealous of those people because I do not. I write everything down. You can use a list app in your phone. If you have a smartphone, you can just write it down. And I will do that from time to time if I don't have my, my piece of paper with me that I keep everything on. But I just recommend that you use a, a spiral notebook or loose leaf paper, you know, the kind back to school shopping that you do whenever it's time for the kids to go back to school. Just a, a spiral notebook will do just fine. I like the ones with holes in them though because I like to tear that piece of paper out, put it in a three ring binder. Now what I do, and I know I've talked about this a lot on the show, is I will keep things in Excel. If I do keep it in Excel, which I do, I will still print that piece of paper out. I have a three hole punch and I'll punch holes in it and I will put it loose leaf in my three ring binder. But again, this is something that you want to have access to so that you can write it down when you think of something else or you hear of something else. And if you put it in your phone first on your list app, then you can just add it to your uh, wish list later. But I'm going to tell you before the end of the episode what some of the next steps are. But for now, just go through your seed catalogs. Just start making a list. Just write everything down. One of the things that you would have seen, and maybe you'd still see it in my seed catalogs, are a lot of post-it notes. I'll put little flags in my seed catalogs. Well, that still doesn't really help me because I'm not actually writing down what it was on that page that I was interested in. And if I go back later, I just forget. Anyway, just write it all down, go through your seed catalogs and write it down. And if you're not on the mailing list for some of these seed catalogs, then I would recommend that you go sign up for some of these. They'll send them to you for free and you'll start getting these seed catalogs in the mail. And if you already do get your seed catalogs in the mail, then you're just a little further ahead of the game. Please don't worry where you're going to buy them from yet. Not at this point. At this point, I just want you to document. I just want you to record what plants, trees, veggies, fruit, herbs, flowers, ferns, whatever. At this point in the process, the world is your Garden of Eden. Just go nuts. Oh yeah. Okay. I almost forgot nuts. I personally have almonds and pistachios on my list. And I know I can grow almonds here, but I'm not sure about pistachios, but they're on my list. And I do need to do a little research and find out if they don't grow here, is there a variety of that species that I can grow here? So don't worry about doing any research or anything like that. I just want you to get it all out of your head. Do stream of consciousness, just write everything down. 
by the way, I don't get all of my seed or plants or trees all from one place. I, I do a little bit of shopping around. And I do put a lot of thought into things because I, I want it all, right? I want a lot of stuff. But here are the, some of the seed catalogs just to get, get you started if you're brand new that I do subscribe to. And this is just a few. This is not an extensive list or anything. I know there's a lot more out there. And, and by the way, too, if you know of a seed company that I should know about, then just email me at nanette at edifilgardens.com. I would love to know about more seed catalogs or more places that are really good to buy seeds from. But here's some of the ones that I use. I like Baker Creek Seed Company. And one of the things that I really like about them is they've been described, I think it was the New York Times or somebody described them as the Indiana Jones of seed companies. They go out all over the world and they curate all of these different seeds from different places. So you'll find a lot of diversity in their seed catalog. You'll find a lot of stuff that you won't see a lot of other places. But their website is rareseeds.com. And I'll be sure, sure and put that in the show notes for you and any of these other ones that I mentioned here. I also get the Wilhite Seed Catalog. One of the reasons is it's real close to where I live. And so I can actually just go there and pick up my seeds. But I still do a shopping list before I go. But I really like them. And that's because they're close to me. And if you have someone like that that's real close to you, I highly recommend that you develop a relationship with them. Because sometimes, you know, maybe you'll find out about something that's going away and they're never going to get it again or that they just got something really cool in or whatever. But if you have a place that's local to you, that's close to you, that you like and they're reputable and they're fun to deal with. And I meet a lot of gardeners there when, whenever I'm there in the their showroom. But anyway, if you find somebody that's close to you, but my for me, it's Will Height Seed Company. They've been in business for over a hundred years and I really like to buy from them. And then I get the Seed Savers Exchange Catalog. And if you've never heard of them, they can be found at seedsavers.org. Their mission is to save the diversity of seeds that have been around for a long time and just to keep that going. And if you don't know this already, there's a lot of seeds that are just kind of going away. And I don't really feel like this is the right time to get into it, but if you're, you know, a lot of people talk about GMOs, genetically modified organisms. And one of the things, and I'm not going to get into all of the details because, oh my gosh, it just, you know, it just makes my head want to explode when I think of all the possibilities. But the number one thing for me that I worry about with these genetically modified organisms, well, actually there's two things. One thing is they build in a terminator gene so that you cannot replant that seed in some of these seeds, not all of them. But for instance, say if you went and bought some corn, I think that's the one that's like the biggest thing where they build in a terminator gene. They want to make sure you have to keep coming back to them to buy the corn. Back in the day, the farmers would save corn seed every year and then they would plant that the next year. Well, now with some of these seeds, you can't do that. So I don't know if they're gonna start doing that with other seeds, tomatoes, peppers, 
soybeans, you know, whatever it is that you want to try to grow flowers, whatever it is, you want to uh, make sure that you have some seed that you can save for yourself. And that is a really good reason to save seed. The other thing is I was looking through my seed catalogs just yesterday, actually, and there were so many seeds that were supposed to be available. I mean, you could see that I put a place in it in the catalog for 2019. That's the time that I'm recording this. If you're listening to this later, at some point in the future, but so many of them had crop failure stamped over the whole thing. They had fully planned to sell those seeds, but there was a crop failure. They couldn't sell the seeds. They couldn't get the seeds. So another good reason for you to save your seeds, but that's another show. That's just kind of a side note. The other thing about the genetically modified organisms, I said there was two things, is that you just never know. You just never know if something's going to transmutate, it's going to do something really weird. That's another really good reason just to stay away from the genetically modified seeds or the GMO seeds. Anyway, <laughs> there's a lot of other reasons, but that's another show. Um, but right now you're just going through your seed catalog and those are the three that I'm going to give you whenever we move, made the move a couple, two, three years ago. I think it's been two and a half years ago. I signed up for some right when we first moved here. I changed my address or whatever, but I'm not getting as many seed catalogs in the mail as I used to get. And I don't buy all of my seed from the same place because not everybody has everything that I want. You're not going to actually be shopping at this point. All you're going to do is you're just going to write everything down. You're just going to go shopping in the universe and going through these seed catalogs is probably going to jog your memory of the things that you've forgotten that you knew you wanted someday, if that makes any sense. <laughs> but just write it down. Now, after you write everything down that you want, I would say it's a really good idea to go ask the other members in your household, like your spouse or your kids, whoever's living with you, maybe your mom and dad are living with you, to see what they would like to have in the garden. Maybe what they would like to eat or maybe what they want to grow and be responsible for themselves. Just a little side note, this is a really great way to get kids to eat more fruits and veggies instead of the junk food that kids normally want to eat. Or if you've got a big kid, <laughs> you know, some adult in your household, same thing. But anyone and everyone that I've ever talked to said that, that their kids always want to eat what they see growing. They just want to be more involved. It's like they're, they're more in touch with where the food comes from. If they see something growing like broccoli, they're more likely to try it. That's everyone that I've ever talked to has told me that. But just remember, this is a living list and it will never be finished. You're just going to keep adding to it. So the next step is, now that you have your list started, is to figure out if it's an annual or a perennial. And maybe you already know this. And sometimes it's a biennial, which basically a biennial just means you're going to get a bonus year or a bonus season. But don't worry too much about that. If it says biennial, just write it down as a B. I usually put an A for annual, a P for perennial, or a B for biennial. And back in episode 16, we talked about USDA zones, and that kind of determines what can be grown as an annual or as a perennial in your zone, in your USDA zone. 
So if you don't know what a USDA hardiness zone is, you might want to go back and listen to that episode. The reason that I didn't have you write down that information or the information that I'm about to tell you is because I didn't want you to get too tied up in the research part of it. Don't worry about that. Some seed catalogs are going to tell you that information up front and some of them don't. And some of them might be wrong. You know, it could be just misinformation. It's a possibility that it's wrong, but it's okay. Don't worry about that part of it. But now you can go back and say, okay, this is an annual or a perennial or a biennial. What I do is I just take a straight edge like a ruler or something, and I'll just make another column. This is why I like to do it in Excel because my handwriting is really big and it's really sloppy, but I do print it out first and I write it down. And there, I would recommend that you use a pencil and not a pen because you're going to do some erasing or I do anyway, you're gonna draw a line and make another column, but give yourself plenty of room because there's about five columns, I wanna say. At the top of the first column is what plant you want, be it almonds or zucchini or rosemary or whatever it is you want. In the next column, it's gonna be annual or perennial or biennial, so you only need a small column for that. It's just real narrow, just enough room for a P or an A or a B. And then in the next column, you just need enough room that's like four through six. You know, you can write at the top USDA zone, or it might be three through seven, or it might be four through eight, whatever it is, um, you're just gonna need enough room just for that. And let me just say right here that I know it may seem like it's a waste of time to write something down that you're pretty sure you can't grow where you live but I want you to go ahead and write it down anyway. If you live in a really extreme temperature, like really, really cold, and you know that this is something that you can only grow in a tropical environment, just, just go ahead and write it down. You may be surprised to find out that you can grow that. So that's why I don't want you to do the research while you're making this list. For me, specifically, I just bought a cold hardy kiwi. Now, if I'm looking in a seed catalog, a plant catalog, or I'm in a nursery that says that this has to be grown in zone 10 or higher, that's that species. And I'm getting kind of a little bit into what I wanna talk about on future episodes, but there's probably a variety that will work for you, or there could be. Maybe not probably is too strong of a word, but there could be a variety that will work for you where you live. So this cold hardy kiwi, I think it'll go up to zone, or as low as zone four, I wanna say. I also have bought an avocado tree that will that's safe to a temperature down to like 17 to 21 degrees Fahrenheit. So you never know if, if someone just discovers something later, it will grow in the area where you live. If you want cherries but you live in an area where there's no chill whatsoever it never gets below 42 degrees um, which is what you need for your chill hours or 45 degrees or whatever it is depending on the model and if you don't know what I'm talking about with chill hours you can go back and listen to what was that episode that was episode 18 to find out about what chilling hours are and all that. But anyway, going back to the cherries, there is a variety of cherries, I believe, that doesn't require any chilling hours. It's not like a cherry tree, but it's more like a bush cherry. 
but just don't worry about, don't do the research yet, just write all of this down. And like I said, you might be surprised that you can find a variety of a certain species that might surprise you. You might not think that you can grow it, just go ahead and write it down. We're gonna worry about the research later. Okay, so let's recap. So far, you have your list of plants in one column. In another column, you have your USDA hardiness zone range. In another column, you have your chilling hours. In another column, you have whether it's an annual or perennial or biennial. And you know, it doesn't really matter what order you have these columns in. You just wanna have that information for each plant. By the way, on the chilling hours, if there's a zero requirement, I would recommend that you go ahead and put zero or N slash A for not applicable in that column when you do your research. That way, ask me how I know to do this because I have not done that before. And then I, because I had nothing there, I thought that I hadn't done the research yet. So I would fill in all those blanks, either just draw a line through it or whatever, do something that lets you know you did look at that. So now that we've done all that, we're gonna kind of do a preliminary shop. We're gonna write down the price that you find in another column and just write price at the top. So if it's for seed, then you're gonna write down $3.25 or $4 or whatever it turns out to be. I can't imagine that you're gonna want thousands of seeds, so I'm just assuming you're gonna want one seed packet just to try something out. If not, like I said, make this your own. Do whatever you want to with this list. But I would just write down $3.25. I know that's the smallest package of seeds that, say, Seed Savers Exchange sells. But in these seed catalogs, you're going to see, well, it's $3.25 for this many. It's $4 for this many. It's $5 for this many. Whatever you see, however you want to do it. That's your call. In the next column, I would write down where you saw that. Ask me how I know. <laughs> this is all from trial and error. So I have written down before $3.25, let's say, and then I couldn't find it again. I couldn't find out where I saw that price. And then I look in another catalog and yes, they have it, but maybe it's double the amount or it's quite a bit more than what I wrote down. So maybe I'm looking at $6.00 for the lowest price of seeds or the lowest package of seeds, but I'm thinking, well, why did I write down $3.25? And it, I had to try to go back and find out who was selling it for the cheaper price. So anyway, so if you can't tell already, we're turning this wish list, we're prioritizing it, and we're gonna get into more reasons and more ways that you can prioritize it. I also prioritize by price. The cheapest price is not always the best deal, but sometimes it is. So I write down this in one column so that I can total at the bottom, okay, how much did I go crazy? <laughs> Am I buying $300 worth of seeds or $30 worth of seeds? Here's another column that I want you to do is you write down your priority or you're prioritizing the way that you want to do it. Instead of writing down an A, B, or C, or a one, two, or three for a priority for me, I write down the year that I want to plant it because I can't have everything that I want right now. Even if price wasn't an issue, if someone showed up on my doorstep with everything I ever wanted to plant, I would still have to find a place 
and figure out when I'm going to plant it in my garden, right? I still have to prioritize and I wouldn't want everything all at once. So I'll write down something like spring 2019 or fall 2019, or if I know it's just not gonna happen this year, I'll write down 2020. I want it to be on the front burner, so to speak, next year. I know I can't do it this year, but I know for sure I wanna do this next year, or I think I do. So I'll write down 2020. You know what I love to see on my list is 2017, even though it's in the past or 2018. Even though I know I already have it, I still like to see that because if it's a fruit tree, let's say, then I know that if I bought a two-year-old tree, it's going to be another two, maybe three years before that tree starts producing fruit. So if I put fruit trees, let's just say apple trees in the ground, and I know, I know it was a two-year tree, it's two years old plus, so if it's 2017, it's 2019 now, that's a four-year-old tree now. I know that it's probably likely that I might get some apples this year um, because I know that it takes four or five years for that tree to produce. If I have 2016 by my asparagus, that's when I put it into the ground, then I know that I can start harvesting those asparagus spears this year because 2016 minus 2019, that's three years ago. And I wanted to let them go ahead and develop a good root system and not take any asparagus spears from those plants until they had been a couple, two, two to three years in the ground. I probably could have taken some last year, but I didn't. I just let them grow and let them develop. And now I'm harvesting from that. So let's just say I can remember that this has been three years ago that I planted those. This is a book I can actually hand to someone. And if you haven't guessed already, this is kind of the first page of a garden journal for you. If you have never done it before, this is a great place to start. <laughs> I guess I'll just go ahead and talk about this right now. If you're already doing a garden journal and you're not doing this step, I highly recommend that you do this step. It just, you know, it just helps with your sanity of all the plants you know you want to have. Just write them down. And we're going to get into, in the next couple of episodes or the next couple of shows, how you can find some of these plants and seeds for free. I promise you, you can. Which ones, how you can prioritize them, like which ones are edible, which ones serve this purpose, which ones serve, a, you know, this garden niche, or which one is medicinal, or which one is just beautiful and you want to grow it, which one has all these qualities. And that's another way that I kind of prioritize. There's a lot more things I'm going to go into that is just tailored to what you need. And a lot of people have asked me, what's a good garden journal? Can you recommend a good garden journal? And I've said, no, I really can't because I've never found one that does everything that I want it to do, which I want to be able to take these loose leaf pages out and move them around. I want to take say this folio, which I do, you do not have to take it this far, but I'll take this page out that has all the information about the watermelons I'm growing and I'll move it up to my to-do list, you know, because I want to know 
okay, how do I care for it? When is it going to be harvested? But I just, I like to move my pages around. And with most garden journals, you just can't do that. And I've had people ask me, are you going to sell a garden journal? Well, maybe someday, but I haven't gotten it just foolproof for myself even. So I recommend that you just really do this. Do it the way you think. Do it the way that makes sense to you. But it always helps to have a jumping off point, right? How do you start the whole process if you have no idea where to begin? But this is the first step. So if you've never kept a garden journal, it doesn't have to be anything fancy, just a spiral notebook or lined loose leaf pages, you know, like the kind that you get from going back to school. And then I would do a three ring binder. And if you have a printer at home, all those blank pages are going to come in really useful that don't have any lines on them, that don't have anything printed on them, because now you can do some diagramming. You can draw a, a just a bubble or a box or a square and say, okay, I put my, I planted these seeds here and I planted these seeds here. And then you, you write down where you put them and ask me how I know this because I have planted over seeds that just hadn't sprouted yet because I forgot that I put them there. So I messed all that up and I planted something right on top of them, which is, you know, it's not a, the end of the world. It's not, you know, the $3.25 or the $2.69 for that packet of seeds, but you spent your time to do this. So all of the emotion that went into figuring out just where was the perfect place to put that stuff. <laughs> so I highly recommend if you're going to put together a three ring binder that you also put in some unlined pages in there. And I'm going to share with you the rest of this thought process and the rest of how I do it just to kind of get you started and hopefully save you from some of these open palm to the forehead moments like I've had. What was I thinking? Oh my gosh, how could I have forgotten that I did that? I know I'm not the only one. I've also heard of other people saying this, that they planted over something that they forgot they planted. Anyway, it's so frustrating when that happens, <laughs> but we'll get into all of that in the next few weeks, but you have some homework to do for now. Just write down what you want. This is fun. This is the fun part. And you might want to go to Pinterest. The thing about Pinterest that I love Pinterest, I use it all the time and I'll use it to go kind of bookmark what I think I want. You can go ahead and create a board for every plant that you want. That's what I've done. And you can follow me at Ediful Gardens on Pinterest to see all the things that I've pinned, but I would still go ahead and write it down because Pinterest can get kind of busy. Go ahead and make your list, keep it in your journal. I promise you there's a lot more reasons why you wanna do this that we're gonna get into in future episodes. But that's all for this episode. If you wanna hear more on how to grow your own food in a beautiful landscape, then click that subscribe button and be sure to join us next week on the podcast. And remember, this podcast is dedicated to you. If you're looking for a better source of food for yourself and the ones you love, I'm inviting you to come along on this journey with us. Let's all put better food on the table. Until next week, bye for now.